we're getting good at the redo. So we got two redos sure. in a row. Uh, we didn't finish this yesterday, so we're going to lead off with a redo. Yeah, for Have sure. Have you ever had a redo in baseball? <laughs> That's a good point. Exactly. That's a good point. No, I've had right, a redo let's... in baseball. That redo in baseball has happened. I've seen it. Like that pitch didn't count. Count was thing. Dude, I've seen two outs in an inning. Crazy. Weird. Yeah, we've seen it. All I, right, I had Cutter a, Nation yeah. podcast, 77, Rob Hill. <laughs> Let's go. Yes, Round for sure. Thursday, we, we all the intro music. got yeah no that's not the right one but uh grout fit we accidentally all grout fitted um it must be warm where rob is is. i know it's warm here we're indoors but okay john sorry to ruin it here you go it's all good take take it away smash rate review and yeah rate review subscribes please hit the like button if you haven't subscribed to the podcast on um, any of your podcast app, it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, it's everywhere. You can find it. Just search Cutter Nation. We've been doing a pretty good job of trying to make sure everything is uniform and you can find it. But uh, second time on the podcast, I'm so much, uh, I'm so much, I'm so excited that we have better lighting and better audio this time because the last one we did was so dynamite and I felt like we were in some form of dungeon, you know. Yeah. Um, Slash your it room. Was nin- it was the Nintendo One version of this podcast. <laughs> yes, for yes, sure. Exactly. Yes, it was the Sega Genesis. <laughs> you know, I don't you even know if it was that good. Gamer headset. You know the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, had it all. Had it all going on. So what's going on, buddy? I mean, you're in Arizona, right? Uh, no, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, I'm in Oxnard. California. Oh, okay. Okay. How about uh, update? Uh, update us on since we've talked to you last about you've had some some you know some rather exciting things happen to you. Why don't you tell everybody, you know, from that point from the last podcast what happened? Oh geez, when when was that exactly? That was it was about a year ago. About nine a year, months. maybe nine months. Yeah, seven months. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So man, geez, a lot has happened since then. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I've recently become uh, a part of the LA Dodgers organization. Uh, I'm also still working with Driveline, so I have like a, that kind of split deal thing that a bunch of dudes do. Um, but yeah, I just, just went through my first uh, spring training, which was really cool. Uh, I got to work with guys on, on the major league side and on the minor league. Uh, I guess my title is pitching coordinator of technical development. Uh, essentially just trying to like continue to bridge the gap between data and, and technology and, and player development. Right. So coaching, um, but it's been great. I, uh, am missing all those guys right now, staff and players included, uh, I've been doing a bunch of zoom calls and keep up, but, um, yeah, that's, it, it's been a pretty crazy, uh, crazy six months, I guess. What's that? I'm muting myself. There was a lot of feedback. I was wondering if it was because there was John and I. No, I think it's the whatever's around him. We're getting some feedback over there. Anyway, okay, well, that's exciting. L.A. Dodgers. Uh, um, you know, I read a couple sneaky articles that I had, uh, you know, that there were some big-time big leaguers up at Driveline this, this past summer. Um, so that must have yeah. – I'm sure the fanboy in you was just jumping for joy. Yeah, it was it was an experience for sure. I remember distinctly like I was uh, I was working on the pitch design certification, just like plugging away at that. 
and I get a message from Bill Hazel, the the now assistant director of pitching at Driveline. He's like, "Hey, clear your schedule on Thursday." And I'm like, "Okay, like, hi, Shaw's coming in." I was like, "Good." Uh, and that was pretty cool. So I got to got to work with him and and a few other guys. Of course, of course, it cut out when you named who it was. By the way. Dude, is okay. it, we got to figure out what the connection is, and because it'll be bro, it'll be tough doing this. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if he's too far away. Rob, are you too? How far away from your router are you? Try to get. Yeah, like pretty close right here. Pretty close. Yeah, you're jumping in and out pretty gnarly. Yeah, I'm like I'm. Oh damn! Okay, I'm like 15 feet away right now. Hmm. I wonder, Cass, are you? Yeah, my parents' me okay? water is also terrible. Um. Yeah, but it's still. That yeah, seems I mean, to be better. Fine. That seems to be better, Rob. Yeah. Is that better? Yeah. That, okay. Yeah, you, we'll do that. You, you cleaned it up right there. Sorry. Sorry about that. Anyway. So anyway, you were saying that Thursday got cleared, and um, and then we lost you for a second. Go ahead. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So I get a message from uh, Billy and it's like, Hey, make sure you clear your schedule on Thursday. We got a guy coming in. And I was like, okay, like, uh, who, who is it? And he goes, it's, it's Clayton Kershaw. And I was like, Oh crap. And then this is right. Like, you know, a week after the, the Dodgers season had ended and I'm like, Oh wow. He's, he's coming up here to like, and, and he basically just wanted to get full assessment, uh, get working on uh, some off speed stuff, get some pitch design work and just kind of get like the, the full gamut. We didn't really know exactly everything that, that, that he wanted to do and that he wanted to like jump into the full program, but that's what it ended up turning into. But that was, that was kind of how things initially started. Got to meet some of the staff uh, on that trip and uh, things just progressed from there. Let's see. Uh, man, this is, this is so weird because I know, I know it's a little bit more touchy than working just at driveline. So that, that is, that must be different because you didn't have to be so careful before. Um, yeah. especially that it's like you're in both worlds simultaneously. So Definitely. how the heck do you do that? Uh, it's, it's just a lot of like acting in the best interest of like the people that I care about. And so just like trying to be as, as uh, smart with, with the decisions and then just, just trying to drive things in a positive direction as much as I can is, is really the, the main points of emphasis. So what kind of things can you talk about as far as the, the, the adjustments that these guys are making within that organization? Uh, probably not too much. Um, <laughs> but I can, I mean, like, I guess it's context dependent. Like uh, they came, like primarily those guys came to kind of figure out what was going on with their delivery. Like everyone who comes to driveline does, right? Uh, they're, they're trying to get a biomechanics assessment, see what the objective data says. Uh, and then build a program basically to rectify those deficiencies. So, uh, whereas I, I don't think I, th I could go into what those deficiencies were. That's like the main uh, point of why they were coming. I mean, is this, is like, is that approach so much different to the, what the Dodgers were doing before? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think so necessarily. No, they're, they're, they're basically doing the same thing. I think they just wanted to sort of just get another opinion on it. And, uh, Clayton and other guys had heard from other players, uh, just about the place and they'd heard about it for years and they kind of just wanted to go check it out for themselves. So what were the, I was, I'm curious what they were doing before. Can you speak on that? Yeah, I, I honestly, 
I honestly don't know the the extent. I know that they weren't really like I know Clayton had maybe thrown some some plow balls, but I, I don't know really the extent of, of everything that they were doing. Got it. It's interesting. It is. Um, yeah, it is. Okay. Okay. What else are you thinking, John? I know that Rob and I are going to get goofy and weird and talk about David Weck and stuff um, sooner than later. So, what what are you thinking? Because I haven't. You're so much more connected to the pro world and like who's doing what and what's going on. So I can't even speak to like, um, you know, Robin touched a little bit on just like how this is affecting him, you know, the COVID stuff and, and maybe in like when baseball comes back might be a good topic to talk about. So. Yeah. That's what I was actually going to ask is like, you know, he's, you're in an organization. We've heard rumors of July 4th start. You, you got anything from that can help with that? You, you know, any, you know, because there's such there's such just absolute blindness ahead in the future, uh-huh. and and a lot of our pro guys are just absolutely chomping at the bit to, yeah, at least have a plan, you know, because us pitchers are just such creatures of habit and schedules, and and when we don't have a direction. You're already seeing it. I mean, we're six weeks into, you know, this situation, and people are like getting bored and and mm-hmm. acting Seriously. like that that they don't they don't have anything to work on, and it's like. It's crazy. I was I was literally having a conversation with with a player who's one of my good friends last night about that specifically. He's just like I'm idling, like I feel like I'm not doing anything, blah blah blah. And I'm I just presented a few things. It's like, well, you know, you're at you're you're in a ball right now, uh, but you're you you're progressed really high to that point. So like, assuming that you continue to do well, you'll probably be in double A soon. So why don't you go through some of like the teams you're going to play against in double A? Look at their hitters. Look at where they're they're good or bad you know, get ready mentally for like that sort of thing or, or look at, you know, you know, he's, he's been working on a, a changeup. So it's like, all right, well, how good is that changeup? Do you think it's nails or do you think it's just like, okay, like, you know, you can work on that stuff more. It's, it's just about finding those, those like really actually thinking about how you can get better uh, in different ways than are like traditionally, you know, especially for like people like us who, who just really care about the throw, right? Like we really care about the quality of the throw and for some guys, like some players, like they care more about other things so they can get bored with that stuff. So it's just about finding the stuff that keeps them engaged. That's been the hardest part, uh, but also the most rewarding part of like this challenge, I guess, is is putting things out there, talking to guys and keeping them engaged uh, and, and going in a positive direction. So he felt like he was going through the motions? Like, uh, or he... It, it was kind of interesting how he posed it. He didn't necessarily feel like he was going through the motions. He just said he, he didn't feel like he was maximizing his time. But I think that also could have come just as a byproduct of having more time and not like being used to having more time. Like he's actually probably allocating his time very well. It's just he has all this other idle time that would be filled with other things. So he feels like he's not utilizing his time well enough. Yeah, I was just because when I heard that, I thought about I just made a realization today. Like I've been I've been kind of kicking my butt because I was super into CrossFit and I've just been like, oh, I want CrossFit back. I want CrossFit back. And it kind of gotten lazy. But then simultaneously, I've gotten really good at the ropes and I've gotten really like in tune with the the pulsers and, you know, <laughs> it just feels different. But at the same time, it's, you know, these are the kind of breaks that can kind of catapult you to the next level. So, and I, I played my trumpet a ton. I, I, I've like been way more in tune with music and it's like, yeah, dude, like, so these are things that I think it, it's some of it's just reframing how you're using your time. You know, it's like, man, what a deload, right? Like Seriously. Seriously. So. I've, I've heard, I've heard from like quite a few coaches, uh, like other trainers. They're like, 
dude, like this was brutal at the beginning because, you know, they missed the human aspect of coaching and all that. But then they they started to realize that exactly that it's like, oh, I have these massive holes in my game or or holes in like my knowledge or, or whatever. And they're starting to fill it and it's starting to become more of a positive experience. So it's, it's a deload for us just as much as it is for the players. Yeah, man. So doesn't mean it's easy, but it's it's definitely easy to understand, like how we need to create perspective out of this. And, you know, um, God, before all of this, even I was just thinking there, you know, at, in the darkest hours comes the brightest lights. And you know that like that's that's you know this. So yep. it's it's hard. But anyway. Keep going. Oh, yeah. I have a couple of questions uh, for you guys, actually, because we kind of talked about this a little bit yesterday, Cass, but how, what are some, I've seen a little bit of the ways uh, that you guys are still interacting with your athletes, but I just like want to hear more about how you guys have kind of combated this uh, in terms of helping guys progress. Well, we, we, we started off um, a little bit late on it because we were trying to be conservative because we are in Southern California because we weren't sure what's going on. We're, we're in a gym. Um, so we, we, sent out some stuff. We weren't sure how it's going to go. And then we started offering remote training. And then our kids that were reaching out, we were just trying to help them through this time. Cause there were, there was a weird time frame where you couldn't, you really couldn't go anywhere. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it still yeah. kind of is like that right now. Um, I, tomorrow I do believe they're supposed to open a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. but it, you know, it, it's a weird thing, you know, to, to be outside and, and, uh, even see someone without a mask now is, is even weirder. Um, I see people it's all weird. the time. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah, you know, um, you know, but but in the same sense, um, a lot of our guys understand we, with the message that we put out from the beginning is like this is a massive opportunity for you to look at where you are and evaluate on where you should be. You know, our our one of the biggest things that yeah. I pride myself on with our athletes is them actually understanding what level they need to be evaluated at. Like if you, if you think you're a D one oh, athlete gosh. and you're throwing 87 miles an hour, you got another thing coming. Like that's not the idea of a D one athlete. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, there's a weird thing in, in baseball and high school baseball where, um, it's almost like they just ignore the facts of the future and what things are going to happen. Um, and yeah. that's one of the things I feel like we, we try to put out as much as we can, like, look, you, you know, you can't deny, like, especially with how information is now, like you can go look up last year's first round picks and see how hard these guys throw. Right. Yeah. And, and if you're yeah. not evaluating yourself on the same level as they are, then you don't understand what's going on. You can already look at this year's like potential picks and see oh how gosh, hard yeah. they throw. Right. Yeah. And so anybody that's not like identifying the system to how this thing works is not playing it correctly. And I see people doing that all the time with recruiting. They don't, they just don't understand where to go, how it works. And, you know, we want to make sure that all our athletes understand no matter what you're doing, you know, when, when you have a chance to put yourself out there that you need to put the best version of what you can out there. So I think um, to speak on definitely, the remote training side, too, um, I think I, I, I wasn't able to articulate it before, but I think what was hard is I don't know what message to send. You know, I didn't know what to tell our people. I really wanted to go and send uh, emails, you know, and say it. But I, I was just like it would have just been a copy and paste of what other people were doing. I did not know how to authentically communicate what we should and should not be doing in those moments. And 
And so that was kind of the hesitancy yeah. to push anything. Um, and so when we decided to open remote training, I mean, even still, I, I really don't know how to push it because I have no idea what people's financial situations just turned into. Right. And so I, I don't even know if it's appropriate to be asking or suggesting. So, you know, I know people are all over the place on the on the spectrum on that. And I can't judge one way or the other. I can just say that that's that's what it was for me. It's, you know, I, I feel this like guilt of of not communicating better, but simultaneously knowing that, like, this is unprecedented and I had no idea what to do. And I did what I could. And, and I yeah. and we continue to create content. I'm so proud of the fact that we're doing stuff like this. Um, this has been an absolute blast. We're, we're never going to forget how like this whole podcast run, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you guys and, have been and it's dude, it's just, it's, it's so fun to hear people's stories and it's, it's helped us. Um, gosh, it's helped us have conversations um, in ways that we weren't able to have conversations before all of this, you know, um, we've really had to hear a lot of different perspectives and realize that, gosh, and, and, and this is, you know, this is life, but it's like, gosh, we're all saying very similar things, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, 100%. that's what we've been doing. <laughs> one of the other things that I felt was kind of cool was um, we actually adjusted the strategy of like how we were educating some of our, our remote training clients. Um, for example, um, one of our 10 year olds, we, he only has like 40 feet, right? But he's a gangster. Tandy, you've probably seen him on our IG. You know, he's just, he loves to throw. He's all over it. And um, he has MLB The Show. And we started introducing sequences to him in fast, slow. And he loves it. And he kills it, right? He understands awesome. yeah. what his sequences need to be. He also understands at 10 years old, like what his high probability sequences are. What is his best chances mm. of getting a guy out at? Starting this at an early age. And um, that being said, like we could get him on right now. I could put him in a situation mentally in, in baseball and ask him what sequences he's going to use based on the situation around him. And he'll know what to do. That's, That's you know, a, a lot of our remote training has just been because he's so deep into the program with us and we want to stay as um, fun and generic as we can to this 10 year old without trying to kill his brain that we just have gone out and just been like, okay, you're the Padres, pick a team. I'll Google the lineup. Here you go. Here's your situation. Second and third, no outs. What are you going to do? And That's he, awesome, we talked through the whole thing and it goes, and it's been going really well. It's, it's one of my favorite parts about the game, about, you know, teaching people. Yes. You need to throw double bangers when you come in bases loaded. You should, that's what you should do and not be afraid so good, to go to a, I, I just had this epiphany this morning with the, the pulsers again. So I was on a turf field and I got in the middle of it and nobody's there. I did some like eyes closed, like just running around, just trying not to fall over. And anyway, like it started evolving into, oh, I could teach myself patterns. That's the whole point of the ropes, right? So mm -hmm. I can teach myself pulse patterns on purpose and I could set people up. If I'm a running back, I could hit a hole and like have a one, two, three pulse sequence and I can try to execute that on purpose in, and, and then just like go back and forth between that. You probably don't need that many in football, right? And like from the line. And then once you get out into the open space, that's when you go into, you know, PlayStation mode. 
Right, exactly. Yeah. And and so also the sideways stuff, it's so crazy. So like what I'm just going off about and 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 the shoes, it exposes the shoes, right? Because 100%. as soon as soon as I'm not going this way, my shoes are terrible. And so it's like what am I doing? Like I'm never just doing that. And oh man, it's just yeah. So anyway, pulsing, the timing, their sequencing and everything. And so what we, what I'm so intrigued with um, John's take on this is the fact that we have the ability to teach a sequence regardless of the count. So just execute this sequence. You don't have to think about it. You can be out in the open field and execute a sequence. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Your, your video game move didn't work, but then you go, Oh, okay. I just showed them this and I'll play off of it. It's, it's now you, you're playing a game within a game. And that's, that's the games. Like that's all of these games, but I don't think a lot of young players are being taught, you know, just a simple way to understand how to execute their own game plan. So totally. Yeah. That's really cool. I, I actually hadn't thought about it. Like the, I'm, that's big kudos to you guys for breaking it down like that, because it's like everyone wants to play video games, right? Like every, that's what everyone's doing right now. So hey, having them doing it in an engaging, like meaningful way is, is very good. I really like that. I literally think about it like Mortal Kombat combinations that I'm going to throw. Like you're, if you're going to see me go sub-zero down back punch and through the ice every time, you're going to figure that out, bro. And you can't go fast, fast, yeah, slow yeah. your whole life, no matter what your coach says. Yeah. You can't do it damn right you know what i mean we did a, yeah. a podcast with um go wags and one of their sons yeah. um was was talking about left-handed pitcher was talking about how he i was trying to get him into the sequencing and he's like well we really like to start out a game and just show one pitch for as long as they can so they can't see other pitches and i go okay so w- what's your sequence that's that's not what he said he said he saves a pitch well he saves, saves a, a pitch. pitch whatever so he did he did fall into fast fast he did go in in but freaking hey well hey, but I my, you, my point i know i know i know i'm not i'm not trying to say he was wrong <laughs> what i was trying to say was he's doing exactly what every other high school guy is doing right so if you think you're being unique to that idea the hitters saw the same exact thing earlier Right. And, yeah. and so like that's the thing with big leaguers and what we're seeing and, and, and what, at least what I've been saying. If you see a guy throwing 95 every day, 95 becomes 90 real simple. It doesn't matter if it 100%. runs, sinks, cuts. It doesn't matter. The timing of that is the same. Right. And so um, and to that to to Brett uh, Wagner's um, uh, idea that he said he thought that 88 miles an hour is going to come back. Right. And to Cass's point, no, the cutter's going to come back. But what I think is going to come back even more is that Roy Oswalt guy, the guy that can throw the 65 mile an hour banger and then come back and throw a hundred. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. you know, the, the bottom of the asterisk is what I've been putting out a lot on how pitches move. It's down, it's angles, it's lateral. Right. And it's kind of straight. You can kind of get it to go up. Right. But the thing that with tunneling makes sense to me is that. If I can delay the, the decision process of the hitter where he sees the tunnel and what I've set up and he doesn't know which direction it's going to go, now you can really become an immediate threat no matter what age you are if you understand how hard this really is. And that's the yeah. importance of the change up, the cutter, the slider, and the curveball. But in the same sense, if you throw 100, you can still go hundo, 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 right? Yeah. And so that yeah. Yeah. being able to use that threat as, as a pitcher is just – massively important to how difficult you are 100 percent. couldn't agree more the the i'm gonna call this one more time 
the so in uh, the the Brett's the, remember it's the short guy. That's what's gonna get cool. It's gonna be the guy that's like five four. Okay, the guy that's five four that can throw like eighty eight that just goes straight up. Straight up, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did <laughs> you see the? Did you see the Zito uh, from behind home plate curveball that was floating around Instagram for a little while? I'm pretty sure it was on Pitchers. I did. Yeah, oh, I did. It, yeah. it is so funny because it's so anti everything we were taught, you know. But Seriously, I think that's yeah, why yeah, it was yeah. effective. Like, it was a it was a banger. Don't get me wrong, but it, to his fastball, it's almost surprising. Where it's like it, like you said, it looks like it goes straight up. It's so oh, it looks like it's look, yeah, it looks like it's gonna go over the backstop initially, and then it's just like oh, by the way, I'm I'm a strike now. It's pretty funny. But yeah. Exactly. Totally. Why do you think that's counter to what everybody's doing? Me? Was it? Yeah. Oh, well, it, it's everything that I hear is about the tunnel is about it's going straight, right? It's got to come straight out of the hand, straight out of the hand. You don't want it to pop, right? Yeah, yeah, Well, yeah, he's yeah. intentionally making it pop. On yeah, purpose. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then yeah, also the way he did it's, it. He it's did the it. deviation from the tunnel that makes it effective is, is basically what you're saying. Because it's just so – it's it's so different that – and it's so different and it's so good and, and it's in his own and, like, it has all those, like, things that it doesn't matter if the hitter can kind of see it because he's not going to hit it because it's just a good pitch. Kershaw as right? well. Kershaw's the, you know – He's, the, he's like, the prime example of it. He's, like, the prime example of it. There's, like, uh, been some stuff that I remember from driveline a few months ago of, like, Kershaw has some of like the worst tunneling metrics in the big leagues, but like it doesn't matter because his shit's just really good and it's coming from a hard angle and it's left headed and yeah, like and Cy it's Young dark himself and it's dark yeah. too. It's very deceptive, like very coming from so. behind his body, behind his head, which is a completely different rhythm and tempo to his delivery than like literally anybody. Basically, like him and Kenley have kind of similar things going on, but like yeah, he's just a the ultimate outlier in that case being left-handed is a huge advantage as well. So you think, you think that the, wow. So you think that the way he is throwing and the, the hesitation move that he has at the bottom and what the hitter sees is so different than the pacing of what the, Oh, I love what you just said right there. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think it's, it's just, the, it's the synergistic like combination of, of all those things, right? It's like, all of the things he does are unpredictable to a certain extent. Like one thing might be predictable to one guy, but another thing he's doing is completely like, what the hell is that? So then like, you can kind of just pick apart everybody depending on their various issues with perception, if that makes sense. Like he has so many different ways he can attack people because of all the attributes that he has. Until, uh, unless you give him a changeup, right? Yeah, and then that's going to be interesting to see because, like, we, we worked on that a little bit, and I, I he, he threw it a bit in spring training. It was looking good, so we'll see. That's exciting. That's one of the things yeah. I've always been like, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. he was banger four-seam for a long time. You mm -hmm. know? And, and like, he, yeah. and he had the little cutter awesome. slider. I mean, it's to me, it's 100% yeah. a cutter, but call it a slider. Call yeah. it whatever you want, Clayton. Like That's, like, that's like another interesting one, uh, like – it has cutter like spin profile, right? Like a, like the, like characteristically it should be a cutter, right? But like the way that he uses it, the way that he uses it off the fastball where he locates it, like for him makes it a slider. Like the trajectory of it, the downward. Yeah, because he just, righties, he just back foots stuff. righties all That's the time. That's why it's a slider. It's very interesting. Because from where he throws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just buries yeah. it to the glove side yeah. forever. Dude, that, yeah. that makes me think about what we were saying. Like uh, so about six months ago uh, or so we were having kids – you know, just go to their 
teams or whatever and tell the coaches their pitches, you know, I added a cutter and the coaches don't know how to sequence it. So we changed the name. I was yeah. like, just call it a slider. And as soon as they called a slider, they knew exactly when to throw oh. it and do whatever. Yeah. 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 All right. So, cool. Down and away. Sounds good. Yeah, exactly. hundred yeah. percent. They're like, Oh yeah. We're just going to go four seam away down and away slider. All right, cool. Perfect. Sounds good. Yeah. And then another interesting one, uh, just thinking about the cutter more, uh, there was a guy uh, that I worked with um, in spring training that like he was, or not in spring training, it was before spring training. He told me he was like primarily uh, like cutter two seam and he was like anywhere from 89 to 93, uh, typically like 90. Um, and then he got some, some more velocity and he was like able to throw like 94 to 96, like relatively consistently. And then he was still trying to be that other pitcher of like, uh, okay, here's a cutter, like here's a two seam, whatever. And he was just getting bombed on. And then he'd like throw a fastball, swing and miss, and then be like, oh, okay, now I can just go a cutter away here. And then it's like cutter away, home run. What? And then I was like, dude, you, you have a, a weapon in your fastball now. You don't need to just rely on the cutter only. You can still use it. It'll still be a great pitch for you. But like, you just have to think about when and where you're using it. Yes. 100%. That's like, yes. that's like the fun, that's like the fun thing about modern player development, I guess, is, is you can kind of, you, obviously we've all played like MLB the show and stuff where you can just like raise the attributes of like speed and, and this and that. And it's like, you can kind of like, if you get a guy a, a different fastball profile or more velocity, it, it kind of changes all those other levels. So you have to like figure out how to uh, like effectively dose those things. It's, it's really interesting. It's really fun. It's a fun like puzzle. Um, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, yeah, I didn't think about it because so we were just, um, you know, the thing that I just posted, I probably need to make it not. A, I literally have pen on paper, took a picture of it, put it on Instagram. That's that's the sequence sheet right now. Um, but that, you know, that, that would be a very simple conversation to have. Hey, you know, I just had this conversation with Caleb Carboni. His coach told him that he should get a two seam. Okay. And he said, I've been working on this for years, and now I'm, I'm working on it more. My coach just told me to get my fingers closer together. I'm like, why are we working on this? How do you do it? And, and those answers weren't very well articulated, and it's not his fault. But the point is, is like, why, why are we doing things that complicated? You already, This kid already has a four seam, a changeup, and a curveball. Why do we yeah. need a two seam, right? Yeah. And so when we go fast, slow, fast, slow, hey, you're not going to be a guy that's going to go fast, fast, fast very often. Right. And so you're going to have to realize that your slows, your, your slows are, you're going to have more slows because you got, you got, you got two, you know, and that's, that's a good thing. Two that are good. Right. Two, exactly. Yeah. And, and he's like, yeah. Oh, well, it's not my, you know, my curveball is not that good right now. And it's like, I, I don't care. Your two yeah. seam <laughs> yeah, is different. just a, it's not that different. And I'm like, unless yeah. you have a bowling ball two seam, there's kids are looking at like, I go, what's how much more he goes, the two seam goes two inches more down. I go, really? You know, like, yeah. how do you Does know? Does the hitter know that? Who told yeah, you that? Right. The hitter or like, right. yeah. Yeah. And like, he has a pitch logic ball and like, we could find this out, but I'm, I'm just telling you when you're throwing and, and this isn't offense to anybody that throws this, this is just understand where you're at. Right. He's throwing like 72 to 75 off the mound. Right. And like, I know that he's probably been up to 80 on the mound, but I'm just saying like more often than not, he's thrown that. You're not getting two seam profile like uh, somebody who's throwing 90 miles an hour. The ball doesn't spin the same. It's a different, it's a different thing. So you might as well just like make do this with a four seam at that speed and not complicate it for yourself. So yeah, that no, that's a that's a big issue. I think that a lot of guys are starting to run into. It's they have the information about like how the pitch needs to move, et cetera, et cetera. So they just think, oh, 
well, more is better. So I should probably add this pitch and this pitch and this pitch, but they don't realize that like they already have things that are super effective and that putting those things in the mix just like kills the effectiveness, effectiveness of those other pitches because they're not getting used as much. So it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely happens a lot. It's like, there's so, so much info, so much more like things out there and, you know, pitchers where we want to tinker always, we want to always yeah. like, try to find little thing here and there. Um, and it can, it can work against guys for sure. I know I thought about that with Bauer back before I kind of like knew more of the story. I mean, I've heard him talk pretty extensively about what he was going through when he was just like walking a shit ton of people and just getting blown up. Um, but I, at that time I was, I was like, why don't you just throw like three? Bro, you have nine. Like, why don't you just throw three? And I understand it was a little bit more complicated than that. But, yeah. you know, I, I think there's a fine balance, right? Because I'm also sick of the guy that's just like, if you just throw a fastball at the knees, none of my guys are going to hit it. And it's like, well, I know, but like you throw a fastball at the knees all day long. Like yeah. I've, I, I legitimately, I, re, I remember probably, gosh, like four times ever seeing that happen. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, do you guys real? It's the seventh. And this guy hasn't thrown a ball above your knees. Like it yeah. just doesn't happen. Right. You There's like a three or four games where you've seen that. So anyway, sequence, Simplify it. That's the uh, that's what we're saying. Definitely. All right. Pick the stuff. Pick pick the pick the shit that's the best and attack with it. Isn't right, it, 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 it? It reminds me too of how the fact that like uh, some people aren't like th there's still a thing where people think that the fastball is the most easily located pitch when that may not yeah. always be the thing for everybody. You know. Definitely. So 100%. strike one does not have to be a fastball. Right. Nope. No, nope. like we, we that, watched. That, that's uh, literally how I got good was I could throw my curveball yeah. for a strike and people were like, you got to show your fastball. I'm like, well, I throw my curveball for a strike better. Like, what are we yeah. trying to do here? <laughs> Why would I crazy. show my fastball? So it's one Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it would be Oh two then because I could just like close my eyes and throw my fastball. And it was like, well, that's different than your curveball. Like, yeah, I'm just like, that. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a straight one. Oh, I'm out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not that I good. That's but. like, I, th I think what you're kind of alluding to is just like the ability to acquire strikes, like, and utilizing the pitches that give you a higher probability of acquiring strikes, which leads to a higher probability of getting hitters out. It's just like that simple to a certain extent. So it's like, and, and then it's like, okay, are we acquiring strikes with effective pitches or like crappy pitches? If it's crappy ones, then you're kind of just getting lucky. Uh, if, if like not thinking about how well they are at accessing the zone, but like, yeah, it's just like pick the best stuff that you can get people like get strikes with. If it's off speed and you have to start early with that, awesome. If it's just a heater, you're probably not gonna make it to a super super high level. So yeah, yeah. You gotta if you guys haven't listened to the Jason Yuli podcast, it's long, but um, he talks about how it's like dude, there's so many different ways to get a strike. Like why are we worried about like the umpire calling it a strike? That's one of like seven ways we can get a strike. Like that's such a great way to yeah. think about it. Um, he also talks about how he hates, he hates backward K's. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, man, they just didn't swing. Like I want them to swing and miss at my shit. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's like a good, that's a good like litmus test of like how good your shit is. You know, if you can throw it in the zone and you have like a high in zone swing and miss rate, like whew, you probably guys are pretty electric shit. Or just, like, know how to make people swing it. Like, I think the message was more, like, I knew how people, they just swung the same thing every time, and I would just not let them hit it. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. That works too. I, ju- I, I know it sounds so simple, but that's what I think that's what, um, you know, that's what John and Jason have in common is they've, they're like, they're not, especially Jason, uh, just is not really interested in getting into jargony conversations. He has yeah. his own way of, of having conversations, but what he points out and what John has made so obvious is like a lot of kids just show you their swing or a lot of throwers just show you exactly what they're going to do, whether it's a sequence, whether it's, you know, if they swing first pitch, swing second pitch, or simply just, they have bright orange bats. Like if you can't see their bat path, like you're, you're not watching. Right. And, and like, trust that, that that's what you're, what you're seeing is actually true. You know, I think where, what, what has paralyzed people is just, it, it seems like it needs to be more complicated than that. And it can be way more complicated than that. And getting way more complicated than that can be very helpful. But it can also not be. So science Definitely. rules. <laughs> what else? Okay, let's, let's turn it back over to you. That was all questions towards us. And, and now we're 37 minutes in. Love what it. is up with you, Rob? Tell us, tell us more about what you've been like screwing around with. I know we talked a little bit of WEC method stuff. Is there other stuff that you've been playing with? Um, last time it was Stefan Jones. Stefan, Stefan. Hey, still the man. Love that guy, Stefan. If you're listening, probably not. You're the man. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, was getting super into Stefan stuff. Uh, lately, it's it's been tough to kind of get into the headspace uh, of like trying to discover new things. The WEC stuff has been great for that, uh, just because I've been you know, uh, creating resources for players, tons of Zoom calls. Like I've already had three phone calls today prior to this podcast. So it's it's already like been a pretty busy day. Um, so it's, but like, yeah, like I, I'd say that the primary stuff that I've been really listening to and, and just trying to hammer home a lot of the previous things that I've thought about of like, okay, uh, like how much does max strength matter? Just those sorts of questions always kind of uh, reverberating around in my head and thinking about those things. But uh, yeah, the, the WEC stuff's been really interesting. I, I first was turned on to, to Dave via the Just Fly Performance Podcast, uh, like around the same time that I actually uh, started to learn about Stefan. Um, and just some of the ideas, the, 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 the first thing that caught my attention was just the ridiculous passion that he has uh, and the, the passion within the contrarian ways of thought that he, that he has as well, which is what I just like loved to a certain extent. Cause you know, that's, that's where I came from in terms of thought process like at driveline right it's like we're initially from the get-go it was like we're we don't really care what the, the establishment thinks about all this stuff like we think that we can get better regardless of, of what everyone says and that's kind of how david approaches things with a little more fire i'll say but um it's still just it, it piqued my interest a lot because i was like damn if this guy's just vehemently disagreeing with the status quo there could be something here so i might as well dive into what he's doing yeah i saw you have been doing the splits too what yeah. the heck? Yeah, that's just that's just me messing around. I've always kind of been, I, we've talked about that before, but I've, I've always been pretty mobile and I'm kind of just like leaning into that a little more with, with the lack of like tons of resistance equipment here. So I'm just like, all right, well, might as well try to do the splits and see how that feels when I throw. <laughs> yeah, so how close are you? Pretty close, pretty close. I'm going to keep doing uh, what you, what was on my, what was on my Instagram story there. I'm going to keep working through that and see if I can get all the way down in the middle by the end of this quarantine. Yeah. Are, are you, uh, is there like, uh, is that a thing like, Oh, learn how to do the splits one Oh one. Uh, I'm sure there is. I honestly have just been like, 
I'll, I'll, uh, I'll like roll out the necessary areas uh, that I need to do. I'll do like some activation stuff. I'll do some isometrics, like weighted. I'll do like weighted splits, like holding a kettlebell, trying to like hold a high position and then see if I can get like incrementally lower. Uh, so I'm not really like following a protocol to a certain extent. I'm just like filming it and seeing if I can get lower and lower like every like couple of weeks. Yeah, good, good. So if you're listening, it's not that freaking complicated. Just do it sometimes. That, yeah, that's a huge point, honestly. Like people, especially now, because like there is a lot more good information, kind of like I said, and everyone wants the perfect plan. But more often than not, if you just do something quickly and continue to do things, you'll learn a lot more than like trying to, to pour over everything and, and find out the perfect plan of attack. Dude, well, I, especially I told if you that you're we... washed up like us. Yeah, yeah. I told you we had Bleaker on and yeah. he, and you didn't listen to it, correct? I haven't yet. No, I was going to. No, so he, he, he has two doorknobs at his place. And it was just like one of those things where a door happened to have an extra doorknob and he just didn't take it off and whatever. And what, and the one wouldn't move because it was an extra doorknob. And kids would be like, hey, the door's locked. And he's like, do you know how many hundreds of kids didn't check the second knob? That's like that's wild. how bad yeah. kids can't. That's like, such a crazy analogy. And he bring, he's like, I'm bringing that to the next facility. There's going to be two knobs at my new facility. He's like, it's yeah. cra- he's like, do a whole documentary on it, a research project, whatever. It's hilarious. Yeah, it, can, it can give you a lot of insight into, into human behavior for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and, I, and I, hope, I hope our kids hear this stuff because, you know, I think it's just simply like you got to name it to make it real and then realize like, oh, I have to start learning how to make decisions because I'm 18. <laughs> yeah yeah no honestly dude you have way too many rights right now to not know to pick the second second knob right yeah you got you got all of them just grab the other knob man what are you doing you're not locked out yeah i think that, like that alludes to a good point of just like something that i uh, actually talked about yesterday on a call with some guys of just like i'm of the opinion that like you you never stop progressing unless you decide to stop progressing like there's always another avenue there's always a way to solve a problem regardless of what that problem is uh, and it's it's completely contingent upon the the willingness to to take the plunge and, and figure out the things you need to do to get to that next point. Yeah, I don't know who we were talking about with, but it's just like, I mean, we we've just had a lot of conversations about older athletes and thinking about how they redefine themselves as they age, and that, I mean, it's not even redefine. It's just you are a different athlete. It's even yeah. like the the thing about like how often does a parent not realize that their kid just grew six inches, right? And then like, hey. <laughs> So first off, you didn't realize that that even happened. And then it takes your sister to come over and be like, oh, my God, your kid is way taller. Oh, yeah. Holy cow. That's been like six inches in six months. And then and then like the fact that that's the, so. OK, so it's probably obvious that a lot of people might take into consideration that they might be a little uncoordinated. But like, how about you have a literally a different body? And so yeah. the amount of like the proportion of everything, probably like chemically, too. Right. Like you just have all of this space that needs to like, I don't know. I just I can't imagine that people don't have more empathy for kids growing because for that same thing. Right. And then and then simultaneously, it's no wonder that when we're adults that nobody cares either because we don't even think about it like when it's obvious. Right. No, seriously. Like I've definitely developed a lot more empathy for those guys uh, because like I, I told you guys before, like I gained like 40 pounds and like thought that I would move athletically and thought that I would move well and all this stuff. And I felt like a baby giraffe for like the first time in my career, basically. 
And I was like, I don't know how to move, man. Like, I'm not sequencing things right. Like, well, like, what's going on? And it was just right in front of my face. Like, hey, man, you're a completely different person than you were, you know, five months ago. Of course, you're not going to move the same way. And of course, you're not going to have the feel that you had. So, but, you know, like it, it, it took time for me to see that, of course. So, yeah, that's where I, I mean, I'm telling you since our conversation and it took a lot of other things too, but I am really leaning into being leaner. Um, it's just like you look at every, every athlete that's ever been elite and gosh, name an elite fat guy. And it's like, it just, it's yeah. not really there. It's not really there. Yeah, it's so. tough. It's, it's the, and, and like the, the only point where I feel like those guys become elite is if that's just like how they've been forever. I remember this story John Cruck told uh, on MLB network. Like, I don't know why I remember this. It just sticks with me from when I was like 12. And he was just talking about how every year they're harping on him. Hey, you got to come back to camp in better shape. Like you can't be fat, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. So he'd listen to him. He'd come back to spring training, like pretty ripped up, like pretty jacked. And he could not hit shit. He could not hit the ball at all. And they're like, all right, John, well, you better get fat again soon because, you know, th th that's just like his baseline. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing. Like that's where he performed his best. And I think that's really like the point in all of it is like I had to gain all that weight to experiment to see if I could perform better there, learned that I couldn't. And it's like, okay, back to baseline, you know, it, it's an interesting it, one for sure. Well, but I agree, I, that, I agree that by and large being leaner and being more athletic is, is typically always a good thing though. Yeah. It's weird. Cause there's this, so I wrestled and I was down to like, an unhealthy body percent in the middle of puberty. Right. And then Jeez. I really didn't like really get thick until like my mid twenties and, and it, and like you said, a completely different athlete. And then, and then it's just like, there's, there's such a happy medium there. So, right. You have to, as a young athlete, you have to realize that, you know, if you are, if you are like kicking your butt in the, in the gym or you're just playing a lot of sports and you're just super active, like the benefits of fueling yourself are just astronomically positive, right? I mean, when I'm doing, when I'm doing CrossFit and I have that kind of workout five, six times a week, or even just like three times a week, right? Like the way that my body accepts a ton of good food is just unbelievable, right? And we all know this, but it's it, yeah. like a lot of younger players just never realize that. And then I think, um, you know, yeah. there, there's many, many qualified people like, and, and I'm very guilty of this, that... Uh, are still just harping on the same thing that you just said of like, dude, I don't care how you do it. Just be way bigger, be a bigger human. Cause it's way better. And, um, this is funny who brought it up, John, the other day about, um, how Americans had to be big because those are the only ways that they could throw. Somebody said that the other day. Do you remember that? No, I don't. Gosh. Anyway, we were having a really good conversation that that's what they said. It was like, they had to be. So in the, in the nineties, Right. The, the way that they were being taught to like slow down and be methodical and get to a balance point. Um, you know, the people that you saw pitch in the big leagues, the Americans were six, five two twenty five, like all of them were where the, the Pedros of the world, they were on completely different programs. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they just weren't doing that because they were throwing differently. So, oh, uh, no, we, yeah, lost, we him. lost him. Yeah. Jump out and back in. Um, we'll get him back in, but, it, uh, but, it, but, but it goes second. into the same exact thing is like, okay, so here I'll, I'll tie it back to, cause I, I actually wasn't getting there. So when I cut weight really hard, I, it, it just didn't fit the mold because I didn't have the energy that I normally would have. So anybody that knows me knows that I have a ton of energy. When you don't eat, you lose that energy. And so I just became a freaking zombie 
and and also that you know that just that negative effect on on you um, going through puberty, right? You want to have you want to be feeling yourself to have the appropriate hormonal levels. Can we hear you? No, we can't hear him. Oh, we can't hear you now. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm -mm. Not yeah, really. Just jump out again. And so the point is, is if if you're looking at this just from a performance standpoint, um, you know, and you're a high school player, right? I mean, I if you're if you're under 15 years old, this is not a conversation you're probably having because mom and dad are controlling the nutrition, right? But if you're a, a high school or college athlete, you just have to start seeing this as you could manage your your energy in ways that you just haven't been taught you know, and, and like just eating what you feel like you want to eat. Um, you're just missing out on so much more. Um, and, and, you know, one of our trainers actually just said this in our text today, or, or just maybe in one of her posts that 80, 80, 20 rule, like 80% of the time, knock out your nutrition and 20% of the time, like give right. yourself a break and enjoy what you want. Oh, Rob, we're back. Yes. Fantastic. Damn, um, so anyway, just to, to catch you up, all I was just saying is uh, how much it affects my energy level. So I would say I was when I was up at like 20% body fat, I was fine from an energy level standpoint, but it wasn't like, like you said, the performance wasn't there. Um, so when I'm sitting at 7% body fat, that's too, that, that messes too much with my hormones, that messes too much with my energy levels. So I feel like I'm going to be a lot better in the 10 to 12%. If I yeah. get up to 15, I can do it. But then again, it just, I, I become a different athlete, you mm -hmm. know? So I, mm -hmm. since um, I just got down to one, I've been sitting at 190 for a, a bit and I would really like to sit here and then just like live at 190 and CrossFit and do anything that I want and see, you know, if I accidentally get back up to 200, I want it to be at that 10 to 20, uh, 12%. Um, but it's just, it, as a high schooler, the point is, is don't wait until you're 31 years old to, to, to mess with these things, right? Rob is, you got to realize that Rob is the anomaly. Uh, a guy hit, hit, as young as him to be messing this much, like most people aren't like that. So realize that 98% of the kids out there are not willing to go to these lengths. And if you're one of those people that really want it, um, these are one of the easy avenues to get a huge leg up on people because people are really tough on their nutrition. Definitely. Definitely. Me and so, how, buddy, how old are you again? 24. 24. God. Yeah. You're, you're just, you're making me envy 10 years ago. I'm 34. You know, oh, wow. I was, I was not nearly the, uh, dedicated love. I, I mean, I thought I was, you know what I mean? But this is 10, you know, take me back to 10 year old internet too. Like it's yeah, I was doing everything I could find, you know, they just started pumping out slow motion videos, you know, yeah, like geez. right when I got hurt, like 12 to 13 years ago. And you were like, Whoa. Oh, no. oh. <laughs> yeah. And, and then there's a funny story we talk about, uh, like with Pedro Martinez. I'm not sorry, not Pedro, excuse me. Uh, Mariano Rivera, right? He went on 2020 and showed everybody his cutter grip and didn't show everybody his cutter grip. It's hilarious, right? You can look at photos of him and he's holding an offset forcing, which is what we call a cutter now, you know? Yeah. And it's so, it's so funny. Um, anyway, uh, that was outstanding, by the way, Cass. Good job. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, <laughs> he gets into you're these also, you're, takes. Hey, you're also jacked right now. 
I was looking at your post earlier today. I was like, damn, you're looking huge. I didn't know you were 190, dude. I thought you were like 220, just jacked out of your mind. So good no, job I'm, for you. You're a jacked 190. Yeah, he makes Thanks, me look man. bad all the time. I'm 5'9". I'm nice and 5'9". I'm the dumpy, tall, lanky guy in the corner. <laughs> um, okay, so okay, we so uh, you don't know this. We're having Alex Rojas on tomorrow. Do you no remember him? way, dude! Yeah, yeah, of course. I talk to him all the time. That dude's awesome. Yeah, so I was gonna. I invited him. I didn't realize you guys knew each other. So I called yeah. him up last night. I'm like, you should come on tomorrow with Rob. And and I I just I immediately got the sense that I didn't know he knew you. So I'm like, oh, there's not gonna be. We're, we can't be here for seven hours. So yeah. we kept it two different podcasts. But um, that's smart. No, that's very smart. We we. <laughs> Yeah, we could go forever. Me and that. Yeah, guy. so John John doesn't know Alex. Um, so that'll be that'll be fun. But um, <laughs> I want to know. I, help me make it, dude. I'm not good at making the ropes and the and the pulsers not look goofy, right? I lean into them, and so can you help? Like, so advanced Warley. If I if I can, I want to I want to cut this up, and this part of the podcast I want to send right to Vance because I was trying to get him to do it, and he's looking at me like I'm an alien. And for good reason, tell, tell me your interpretation of the ropes and any of the yeah. WAC method stuff for, for that matter. Um, and just start with the ropes anyway. Okay. Yeah. So for me, at least uh, it, so I, I kind of, I've, I've alluded, I, I think I've told you guys in the past, like I have kind of a performance background, like dance, sing, that kind of stuff. Uh, so for me, it, it almost feels like uh, dancing to a certain extent. Like there's a rhythmic aspect to it. Uh, I'll, I'll always listen to music when I do it. Um, and it'll be the same sort of tempo and the same sort of beat that I'll listen to when I throw. And like, that's kind of been the biggest piece for me is like rhythmically being in tune with my body and being like, all right, well, throwing is incredibly rhythmic. It's all about sequencing. It's all about when you do things at, at certain times. And so what the ropes have really kind of done for me, other than like a little bit of like the, the cardiovascular physical aspects of it, like the physical adaptations, um, is just, a uh, more discovery, more like, oh, okay. Like. I'm not used to having you know, my arm back behind my body and then like trying to get something over to here and then like go to the other side and like see how my weight shifts. It, it just gives you more feel. It's kind of like a, how I, I thought about it the other day. I like into like it's a plyo ball for your whole body. It, it, it just gives you more uh, awareness and proprioception for, for where you're at in space. And uh, that can lead to just better coordination overall potentially. And so that that's been like the biggest thing for me, especially like rotationally. Um, because a lot of people will try to do things to work on coordination. It's very like front, back, side, side, uh, not a lot of like transverse like work or like side bending stuff. So that, that's been another fun kind of thing to, to figure out like, okay, like this angle, I can get the rope from here to here. If I do this and I can get it from here to here, if I do this, like what happens if I do that? Like, and, and, and that kind of stuff. So that's, that's kind uh, of my, um, have you, oh my gosh, I was going to say breathing. Oh my goodness. Anyway, have you have you experienced this like when you're in here, you can almost pump your lungs? Is that just like a weird weird thing that I've experienced? Because I know uh, I have talked I haven't consciously thought about it, but I'm gonna do it today. <laughs> well, so I think it was like when I got my chin back enough, there was this opening where I could like scoop and that movement would like do something in my diaphragm that would open it up and I would get, I would breathe in, not trying to breathe in. Um, and, 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 mm, and, and maybe yeah. that was, um, you know, maybe there's multiple things going on there, but 
Um, I'm really interested in the the like the calming sense of this whole thing. Is that's what I was trying to get at? It's the breathing and the tempo and the rhythm of it all. Um, I'm really intrigued by that. Um, yeah, have we here, got in? Here. Yeah. So tell me more about like I've I've talked about Z Health in the past here and S10 Fitness. I don't know how much I brought that up to you, but it's basically just like a little bit more on the 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 neurological side of prepping you know, prepping performance by being in the right mindset, almost a little bit differently than we have. Um, you know, like I think of like, uh, you know, Ken Revisa as like, that's how I'm going to mentally prep. And this looks a little bit different. You know, I'm going to yeah. use this rope to mentally prep. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a very, like, uh, I think there's a reason they kind of call it like rope flow. Uh, cause it's, it's somewhat allows it's it's an easier pathway to that sort of like flow state that people talk about where it's like you're just moving and you're like acting without like too much conscious effort they, the ropes just kind of put you in positions and make you feel things uh without you like necessarily trying to do it which can help you get you into that right headspace to perform that like unconscious competence sort of uh headspace how'd you learn them uh youtube i uh, i'm like I, I like watched David's old videos from like a couple of years ago. Like I've been, I've been seeing the ropes for, for a couple of years and I finally had the time to kind of dive in. Uh, so I talked to Rojas and I, I watched YouTube videos and I would just like set it on the ground below me and like stare at it and be like, okay, he's here. Okay. He's here back. <laughs> like scoot it back, scoot it back. Okay. He's there. Okay. Uh, and then just like start going. But initially I just started like with the race and chase and then, and then was like, okay, where can I go from here? Okay. I can like split my hands and then I can kind of, and then hit myself in the head a bunch of times. But yeah, I punched yeah, myself in the face once, like with the rope. I was like, "Oh yeah. man!" Yeah, it is not, uh, dude. I've like lashed my shins and like ankles a million times. I hit my toes. That one was brutal. But all in the name of uh, figuring things out. So hey, yeah. it's different than an, a jump rope though. Lash, it's not a jump rope lash. For no, for it's not. Those. Luckily, it's yeah. It's more like a little like four year old hitting you as hard as they can wherever you know. It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the you things that that you guys talk about um in the flow state that like just comes to me and and i don't know it's probably my childhood into this but i was really into skateboarding and surfing as growing up as a hobby as a kid and, and one of the um ideas of flow is something that makes makes me um think about because that's one of my favorite parts i remember going into like bowls and like just concrete bowl par skate parks and just like trying to see how long i could go without pushing right? And just creating mm. momentum with myself and stuff. And I see that in a lot of the patterns when I'm watching Cass do this, where he's like trying to feel it, create energy fast, and then pull it down slow and do stuff. And that like that idea, if you watch, you know, some really good surfers like Kelly Slater and some of these other guys, when they're carving up waves and stuff, you can really see how they like yeah. slow it down, speed it up, snap it at the top, pull it back down, mm -hmm. ride the energy and the momentum. And the creativity of that, I remember um, you know, my dad and I playing Kelly Sater pro surfer years ago on Xbox and like it's unlimited waves. And I remember my dad playing cause he grew up surfing in Hawaii and everything for hours, hours, same wave. And I'd be like, dad, what one wave, what are you doing? He's like my favorite wave. And he would just go crush. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah, but no, watching, sure. watching someone S turn and create the, the, you know, the grinding, the, the top of the wave, bottom turns, you know, snapbacks, all of those things. It made me think about like what you guys are talking about here and flow and body movement and energy creation. Um, which I feel like is just a better way to talk about it than just the devil word that we use of mechanics. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Every or time like, I like, 
Oh, geez. Yeah. No, I, I think you used a really good word there of like utilizing momentum is massive because like everyone wants to create force and wants to push really hard and do all these like active non uh, like non easily sequential or like sequenced things. Like they want to be very active in what they're doing and, and the ropes don't allow you to do that. You kind of have to let them go with you. If you try to take control, you try to take the reins. Uh, like I'm, I'm a pretty like neurotic person at times. I really want to like have the control of it, but I can't do that if I'm, if I'm using the ropes, I can't do it. And uh, that, yeah. So like to your point, exactly. It's like Kelly Slater's not up there. You know, he's not trying to produce. He's not thinking like, okay, I need to have my, my right femur externally rotated. I need to produce force in like the Z plane to adequately like turn on this wave. Like, no, he's just like feeling where he's at. He, you know, he has practice and he's, he's in the right state to, to accept that and then utilize it. That just made me think of that video that I sent you guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, gosh, I want to post that so bad. Yeah, yeah I good. um the so uh, speak okay, and then the pulsers. So I didn't. Um, you've been messing with the pulsers, thinking about it from a throwing standpoint. Yeah, or well, just thinking about the idea. Thinking about the idea of pulsing. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have them yet, but just thinking about like some of the like very very roughly thinking about some of the concepts. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and John has seen me mess with this. So today, um, oh man, I, it's, this is what's so cool about the ropes and the pulsers that I'm telling you that like anybody that I, I, I don't feel like our, our younger players are going to get this right now, but like, if you geek out about movement at all, the cool thing is they continue to reveal things. You learn as long as you just pay attention, as long as you're willing to not be self-conscious that you got shakers in your hand, right? You reveal things so much. So like when you talk about um, the surfing, I have felt like I'm wakeboarding and then ice skating and you talk about dancing, like dude, all, all of these things. Um, what, what I really picked up on today was the quickness of the pulse. Um, mm. My left, my left side doesn't want to do it as quick. I have something going on behind my left scap. I've, I've, it's been there for like two weeks right now. And Rue, um, he's told me that my left side has been tight this whole entire time. Um, regardless, hmm. I, I can draw those connections by the fact that, oh, my right side can pulse like really snappy. And, and when you do that and you time it with your foot, that's what's so easy. Um, I, I want to go just a little deeper because I know you can see me. Have you seen how much he gets into here? Yes. Yeah, like the okay, shoulder so hike, like here. Yeah. Um, I've been using the referential points, which is like one inch out and one inch up, right? Okay, and trying yeah. to keep them there, and then you know, doing my best to not let my hands get too far below that when I'm using the pulsers. And it, it it's yeah. it's luck doing that, but the point is like being up there, and then you start getting into the actual shoulder, right? And then when you can pop that, it pops back up. So that's where he's like, you're not wasting any energy because mm -hmm. it creates the reaction of pulsing down hard, creates the reaction of coming up, and then you just have to let it go down at the right time. So it's the action is literally just like store pop, store yeah. pop. If I was slowing so it's it down. the reaction that creates the action rather than you trying to create the action. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like mind blowing, and then learning um, just like positioning your hands differently around your body. I mean, bro, bro, put these in outfielders <laughs> hands, put yeah. these in outfielders hands. It's so fucking cool. I'm sorry, but like it's, you run backwards with it over your shoulders. And you're like, Oh, my hands feel so dumb in this position. 
what happens when I verticalize my arm in this way? And then, oh my God, it's like pop. So when you see him be his weird self, then you become that same thing when you're like, oh my gosh, because you hit you, because you hit your, you pulse down at the right time and you don't try to spring and you spring. Yeah. And it's just, it's, you know, I don't know, man. It feels so weird because there isn't research study. It doesn't, you know, nobody is doing it like we're doing it. It's, it feels weird, but that's also what makes it so fun. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say uh, one more thing. Seriously. So this is going to look funny, but there, I did a video. Um, this would have been um, the middle of March, um, like nah, end of March, like right around yeah, right on the end. So anyway, if you pulse with the things in your hand, so like if you watch Marlon Bird stuff, he'll do like punches or Savage Protocol stuff, right? If you do that yeah. into whatever you think your throwing position is and before you pull your hand up, right? If you just keep everything flat, right? And then yeah. do it, they you can't be in bad positions, right? Because you, huh. you're going to shake in line with where your, with where your bones want to be. Mm. And so yeah, I'm not yeah, going to okay. start shaking like this to load my arm to throw the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, right. No, I start shaking like that, and then I go boom, and that like so the shakers set up this. And by the way, man, like this is what I'm so excited about logistically is this can be a warm up and arm care because yeah. these are I, I have 12 ounce ones. You you, you know, like I said, they're going to be all eight ounce. There's a lot you can do with half a pound. Yeah, right? it's like some and oscillatory, like like oscillation training too, like making things fire properly and then like sequencing it as well. So it's like strengthening those ranges of motion and, and those movements, which like yeah. further ingrains them because it's an overload implement, right? You know, it's so it's a fi- it's a fifty dollar investment that stays in your bag. And what'd um, you just say? <laughs> I think he just computer processed out out loud right there. What did, What do you mean the oscillatory thing? Yeah, like that was. Can you say can you say what you just said again? Because that was I liked how you said that. Oh yeah, uh, I was just saying like it, it's it's simultaneously like a, a movement patterning tool uh, as well as like a, a proprioceptive tool. Like or so yeah, mo- uh, a movement patterning tool as well as like a strengthening tool. So it, like strengthens the ranges that you need to get access to, and then it allows you to get to it allows you to get them allows you to get to them easier as well. Yeah. And you're showing yeah. yourself where they are, right? You're showing your body like, oh, this is how you work. And you're showing yourself these things. You don't even have to know what they are. You're saying, hey, do this and you'll know what that is. Repeat that. That's strong. Your body's picking strong. Like it's picking, no other it's, way it's around picking it. the places. It's picking the places that it has the, the adequate ability to get to and nowhere that's BS, basically. Yeah. I, it makes it, I, I like it because I think about like the idea of it and like the body blade and how it's just a little bit different of a direction, right? For what it's doing. Um, mm-hmm. And the up and down, the up and down motion that Cass is talking about is something that I feel out of the glove, right? So the mm-hmm. direction mm-hmm. out of the glove, keeping the neutral arm right there and being able to go all the way down like I want, you could probably feel you know, distance, like you're saying, proprioception, and then the range of motion strength idea is something that I find interesting. Because after this part, how do you get it? You know what I mean? You got to you gotta try to figure it out from there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. What I think that's where a... just like throwing, I think that's where just like throwing overload implements can, can help that part of it, right? It's like this can help you pattern to get to the right point 
where then the the throwing yes. the heavier things yes. and just being strong in general can kind of take can kind of take over if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. what if there's a pulse down and back that precedes the pulse down and forward? Um. So, right. So you yeah. can pulse yeah, down into your back leg, and that's a move that somehow happens halfway through the stride. So before you go and try to block and pulse down as hard as you possibly can, you send a pulse back. So that might be mm-hmm. like the reason to hit something like the gun or the pocket or, or some, whatever it may be. Yeah. Whatever it yeah. is, whatever you want to, you know, wherever that bottom of bottom back arc of your arm swing is, I know however short or long it is, hit that hard, right? Like pop into that, like do the... Right. And by the way, I'm just thinking of this out loud. Okay. John and I were just talking about how many guys start negative angle in the nineties. Well, why? Cause you can pop it down into the backside and then do, Oh my God. What if, what if I'm not crazy? I mean, that's this that's is a full Roger. It's a full Roger Clemens move. You remember him having the shoulder down the glove up, you know, and then when he would, he would lift, he would go and then he would lean back and then go again. Right. That, yeah. That's what and, Bauer did. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, ben Brewster is a really good example of that too. He kind of does that like swivel forward and then like sink back and then like slide out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Swivel forward. That's there. nice. I like that. I, I thought of uh, Kenley Jansen um, immediately when you talked about the pulse down, because he's one of the guys that it like, even when I do it to him, to the depths that he does when I get all the way down there, there's, there's a weightlessness power that you feel almost like you're charging the back leg, like Cass was saying, as you go all the way down there and then unloading that, you know, as you're drifting out with, you know, his, his idea is of, of the gun is, is really what we see, you know, helping a lot of people be very consistent in how they're rotating, you know? And, and so, um, you know, Kershaw does it. Now I'm thinking about it. Um, another guy that I just thought of you, uh, I think it's yo, Yoan Lopez for the diamondbacks. He's a guy Mm -hmm. that, um, that cast that uh, we used to say bang the drum, which would make sense with the pulsers. And the, that would kind of be like the bottom of your, your uh, arm swing is being able to bang the drum and create it, let it to bang it and then come off, you know, don't come back the direction you can bang it to come up and to go into it. So, you know, there, there's a yeah. bunch of different ways of, of timing that I feel like this idea is, is, uh, uh, is, Good. Good job, Cass. Yeah. Yeah. An interesting one that I've been thinking about lately is just like the direction of the pulse, like where the pulse takes place, like variously, like one that really piqued my interest was like, I watched an old Carson Fulmer video and he, as he breaks his hands, he goes out. Like, so if if you guys are home plate, like he goes this way, Mm. it's like hit, it's like hit. And then they both go like this way. So it's like his pulse is almost in a different place, but it's still like getting him to the right spots at the right time where he can like turn. It's, it's pretty interesting. I've been kind yeah, of playing around I, with that in my throwing. And I, and I think we need to be consider, you know, something like that where like, I would go, Oh, I don't want things to be going this way. Well, okay. Well, how do you make that move and turn that into something that turns into rotation? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like, okay, you, you just have to, I think that's where coaches go that step further and think, you know, how would that work if it's done right? Um, yeah. And there, yeah. Anyway, there's just a lot I've, to unpack there. Cause I obviously, I mean, we, I've seen that, I've seen that happen and it, and it doesn't always work well. Totally. Yeah, totally. I think that, uh, it's, it's interesting, man. I need to do some more research. I need to get some pulses too, for sure. Cause 
Uh, I'm convinced now at this point. Like I need to, <laughs> I need to, I need to just jump ship well, and do it. I mean, at, at least they're fun, man. And and if you yeah. like to move, right? And so, man. But um, I, I don't know about the RMT stuff. I'm curious. I I, I would be curious to see about that. Um, Rojas will talk I, about I, that. I would. What's that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Rojas, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely get into that, and then um, the even just like the compressiveness of the Bosu, how like how much you should be spending on that. Um, you know, I, I I will say this, um, and if I haven't said this to you, just it's good to hear it again. I I don't know that I've ever seen anybody ever use the Bosu ball like or like they use the Bosu ball at Weck Method. Like no, nobody ever does it actually like that. You know, so that's what what's so interesting yeah. about it is I wonder what it's actually yeah. capable of, and I wonder what we're missing out on, even though it's been just kind of crapped on. So, yeah, it is interesting. I I, I think about that kind of stuff a lot. Um, you know, like something looks wacky or, or something has like a, a perception around it, but it's like okay, well maybe you just need to turn it over, uh, aka use it differently, and then there'll be some like massive benefits. You know, I'm, I'm, I try to not be quick to demonize things because they look silly because it's, it's oftentimes where like the coolest ideas come from those things. Did you know what BOSU stands for? Uh, yeah, it's both sides unified or something like that, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And then both sides up, I think it was the other one. Both I had no up. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like dude, that guy yeah. up, down, all around. He is. I need dude, to get I, one of those shirts, dude. I need to get I one of those know. shirts. I know. I saw like the one, the black sleeve long with the gold logo. Oh, I want that shirt so bad. <laughs> dude, he <laughs> is he's such a trip. He's such yeah. a trip. He's an actor. I, I, That's the thing that made sense to me. He like, is. He's a yeah, trained yeah. actor. He told us that from the beginning, and I was like, oh, I understand what you're doing now. Well, yeah, did yeah. you see the – were you watching back with Rope Flow Joe? Me? No, I wasn't. Okay, so there was a guy from – whatever. Who cares? Nobody Rope – if Rope Flow Joe is watching, like, bro, I, I, I reached out to you. You're a great guy. And uh, David, I bet he screwed you over. I don't, I don't know. I'm just the messenger here. Um, but they had some falling out. And, um, really? and then, yeah. And rope flow, cause rope flow Joe was like working out there d- doing a ton of rope flow stuff. Like he was good, like really good. And, mm-hmm. um, and then he must've made some comments like he was better than David. Cause David was like, you're out of my, you're out of the, you're out of the circle. And uh rope flow Joe came on live Instagram before deleting his thing and was like, um, yeah, just, just very sad about the whole thing. Um, but, uh, Oh, he said that it was an act. And David said it. Like, that's what I love about him. It's like David's, David freaking put his psychologist on his, on his Instagram page. Like, he's fully transparent. That's why I, I, I have never met somebody easier to love than David Weck. Because, like, you just have to just be nice to him and he's cool. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. how and he's, simple. He's wicked smart, man. He's so smart. Gosh, and it's, the, it's the things incredible. that I've, like... By the uh, so the other thing, just like this is because we haven't got to do this. So this is fun. So the the fingers, and the fist. Um, yeah, yeah. So thumb reaching to the pinky. I don't even know if this is a thing, but him just like okay, that makes sense. If the thumb goes to the pinky, it sets up underneath the ball. And then if you reach through the thumb, if I try to do that through my fingers, it will tense up the wrong side of my forearm. If I go through my thumb, I get the upper back here. And I don't really need that to be like super loose. For, I'm not hurting that, right? And so I reach to the mm-hmm. thumb and that will, that kind of cocks my bones. And that's where you see almost every single dude is underneath hard. And then you'll see huh. some sinker guys that will come over here. By the way, I'm really curious. This is my claim is like when you go like this, it will activate here. 
right? So if you're squeezing the ball from the outside of your thumb, instead of getting underneath it, you could be, you can shut this off a lot easier when you reach through the thumb and that lines up the bones. So I think, um, you know, I have, I should have my ball on me, but anyway, if you've seen me do my curveball, I basically Vulcan my curveball without trying. I spin it so much that it spreads my hands here. So my fingers are on this side of the ball at all times, right? So the middle of the ball is here and that allows me so much room to get around and through the ball. I mean, I just throw Frisbees and I'm small, right? I'm a five nine and I can throw, put so much spin on the ball. Um, hmm. And I and I promise you, I've never been injured from throwing curveballs. I've always been injured because my I throw too much. I didn't do anything to like, it's, it's never been like that. I had a coach try to tell yeah. me that I was hurt from like throwing knuckleballs. I'm like, bro, you have, no idea of what I've been feeling for the past year and a half. No clue. 100%. Um, so anyway, that's the bones, um, the feet, the, the green dot is, is got me intrigued. Do, what have you, um, anyway, I should ask you if, if the fist, have you been making any of these connections? I haven't, I haven't uh, gone too deep into the fist stuff. I've been mostly thinking about like trying, trying to get a good understanding of like the ropes and then like, just have like literally, just started to jump into the pulsers a little bit and ideas around that. Okay. So no, I haven't, I've seen the core fist and I've seen it. I just haven't like had the, yeah. had the time necessarily to dive all the way in. Well, it's, I, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at this then. Cause I don't want to sit and just talk your ear off. The idea that the bones being in line would free the rest of the system up. Gosh, he hasn't even said that. Like he just said something like that. And it's like, Oh, that makes complete sense. Those are my, completely my words that makes so much sense to me yeah. right of course there wouldn't be what's a better way than to sit on top of those bones you got and to always be leveraging them against themselves like there's nothing more efficient than that i don't think yeah no i mean it makes sense i, I just need to dive in more for sure no of course and that's and that's the thing is these these things are not i i don't hear people talking about this i don't hear people you know we had sean kitzman on um, have you heard about him? The the pitching. I haven't. No, no. He's a Minnesota connection. Um, he uh, is very similar to Randy Sullivan. Was a chiropractor, physical therapist, and then he's just recently been like he he got a kid um, that was just dealing with injury. Um, a kid that I know and actually Gabe Pilla, who's at NDSU now, um, but just kind of like got him to move better. And then was like, well, all these pitching people don't think that that matters. So I'm going to just go start doing this with people. And so anyway, we had him on the podcast and he is, he is on a, on a different level. He's, he's aligned himself a little bit with Porcio, but I, I mean, I, I'm so beyond caring who thinks what I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to have conversations here. Same. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man. And yeah. So anyway, Oh, cause he's a foot guy. That's, that was the point of bringing him up is he's like, nobody's paying attention to the foot and you can't cause you got a cleat on. So nobody's even looking at it. Everybody's looking at the leg or the glute or the hips. And it's like, Oh, I love the pick- foot. I'm, I'm big into the foot for sure. So yeah. what do you and like about talk- the foot? I, I mean, I think it just makes sense, right? It's like if, if it's functioning properly and, and then there's a, there's a good like neurological connection between the feet, the glutes, the spine, everything. It's just, that's how you move officially hundred percent. And like what you said about the, the cleats thing in a similar, but a little bit different vein of like, uh, utilizing footwear properly, like having the right shoes for, for the function that you're trying to perform. Something I think I might've talked to you guys about, about like having two different shoes or two different cleats uh, when pitching. Um, something that I've experimented with a bunch of like having a low cut, uh, wide 
toe box shoe on my back foot because it needs to be able to move and, and rotate an ever and do all those good things and, and roll over into plantar flexion. And then my lead, uh, my blocking shoe is just like a high ankle basketball shoe. Um, and cause I don't necessarily care about like, uh, like the full movement of the foot. Cause all I'm trying to do is just stabilize a collision on the front side. So then it's like having appropriate footwear for those things is something that I'm like pretty passionate about for sure. It's interesting. Um, I've thought about this and I had brought up high spikes in some circle and I don't remember where, and they looked at me like that was the dumbest thing that I could ever do. And I'm, yeah. so if I could, if I could think about that, right, critically, I wonder if it's the idea that give your ankle the ability to stop on its own. Don't use the, the high thing on. Okay. So what are you, what are you doing? Tell yeah, me. No, tell no, me. like, like, uh, I think it's you, you're, you're trying to get like in my head, it's like, okay, so what is the main function of like the lead leg? It's to like stabilize, right? The main function of the back leg is to get the pelvis in a position where the lead leg can do its job, right? Like more or less super condensed version. Um, so like, I actually, I, I like the idea of having like a high cleat because if you don't have the ankle stability, it can like help you a little bit. And if you don't have the ability to stop, it can like help you a little bit, but also like over time, you should probably be developing that, that skill as well for the ankle to, to act on itself. But I think it can just be like uh, an easy way to get a little bit of performance benefit for, for some people, for sure. Yeah. And so um, I, I suppose, I, I don't actually know the answer, right? I don't know the perfect solution, but maybe if you're a guy that's wearing an arm sleeve because your arm hurts or you're wearing a high ankle spike because your ankles are weak, Maybe you only get to do that for one season and then you have to solve that Figure problem. In yeah, I like that. So yeah, I like that. <laughs> do yeah. things like that. But no, it's, it's really interesting. And the, so the hands and the feet, I'm just so enamored with it. And, and that's where, you know, being introduced to John and, and his ideas on the three rules and the hands and where they should be. Um, I just continue to go, why is this working? Why is this working? And I keep on finding really good reasons why it might be working you know, yeah. neurologically and, and everything else. So it's been, it's really interesting. So, um, the dart, have you heard it? Yeah. So you'll have to learn about the, like the dart this, stuff. This, cause... this one, right? Like the palm heel one. Yeah. So, um, Kinda. here, this is interesting. So on the front side, it was to create a, like, I'm pretty sure it's to create a more, uh, solid, heavier, like front side. So huh. you can throw it down harder. So huh, it's okay. so it's not. I'm gonna in, you know I'm not gonna pronate really hard and then turn it over to create a positive disconnect. It's like that positive disconnect happens because I'm trying to throw my left arm down onto my left foot as hard as I possibly can, and my hmm. elbow and scap happen to retract. But that hmm. hand turning over might not be something that's very helpful. No, I like that. I like that. And, it's, it's, um, like a, it's a passive way to get into positive disconnection without having to like retract. Like, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And it's how John has never really like, it's, it's interesting because John represents an athlete who's solving the problem really well. And then also has these unique ways of feeling it and talking about it um, because they're his own and right. They're not influenced by, you know, some other person's program. And that's always, he's always talking about that low cable or that high to low cable pull down, you know, and his mm -hmm. hand stays, his hand does not turn over for a very long time. 
And I've seen a lot of players um, since I've been realizing that from John, it, it's a lot more common than I thought it would, it was going to be. Yeah. Like the, the hand the internally just... rotating of the glove arm. And then no, like this immediately. No, not no, where it flipping. doesn't. Not it, it, it oh, where it doesn't. There. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where and it stays it forever. Swim, it swims. It swims down as yeah. long as you can and turns late. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and that's definitely the optimal way to do it. I think guys run into the okay. I need to do this to keep my front arm in. But then what happens if they get too far here? This happens when you yeah. don't want it to. Yeah. Thumb exactly. flip. No, I think Wait, I call it a thumb flip. It. Don't don't flip thumb your flip. thumb. I, I say like when fingers get vertical, that's when you are basically screwed. That's when you should be like releasing the ball. So like it should be like holding this, holding this, holding, 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 holding. Okay, then it turns all the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't yeah. even think I, I turn it until it gets to my hip and then I'm trying to get it out of the way behind me, you know? Yeah. Kind of yeah, like and, how Cole's think, hand comes back and then ends up like palm down. Yeah, yeah. Where like it has like the hover, hover for a second, ball release, and then it's like out yeah. behind him. When I yeah. think what matters here too is that it actually does not matter, you know, to how how low that goes. Because uh, it, it's not a matter of how far the hand goes down; it's a matter of how far the whole entire quadrant of that body goes down. Because if you can go boom on that front and, side, yeah. and at which time it does it exactly, right? And who? Yeah. So it really does not matter how you know. There's um, somebody's talking about a lot of length on the glove side. Like John has a lot of length on the glove side, but then doesn't, you know, and, and so it's, it's all of these things where it's like that, if you, I, I'm so interested in things making a lot, everything make sense. Right. And so mm -hmm. if I decide that, okay, if the only move matters is, is a pulse down, it makes everything else. Okay. I don't care how okay. long your arm is. I don't care. It doesn't matter how you get there. You just got to get there. No, you just have to feel yeah. whatever you, you know, and if you're a sidearm guy, you're going to have to figure out there's still a weight shift into that. There's still a downward action into that. And then you're just going to, you're going to use that more out here, you know? So yeah, yeah. this cool. is kind of the birthplace of it. And, and I, uh, apparently Marlon is doing a lot of work on it. Um, but he's only, he's not really, you know, he's not talking about it openly, like, yeah. um, in a way that I could find out. So, yeah. Well, you guys have given me a lot more stuff to think about, <laughs> which yeah. is good. Um, I'll say one more thing just because this is um, – where else are we going to talk about this? The synapse thing. So look, just look at the training part of it. So okay. the, the workout and just seeing how it, it happens. I'll say this. This is what has me just mind-blown, okay? It's one thing to, to eccentrically overload the body. Okay. And there's many things that can, can do a pretty good job of that. Okay. Maybe not as well as this, uh, or maybe not better than this, but you know what I'm saying? Okay. And so what is cool is the, um, okay. So you've seen, you've seen me like have the kids go through their leg kick and stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You, you, it's a balance thing. So all of a sudden, because they are on one leg and there's a vector that they have to control, that changes the game because they will pick up. So one thing that you do, so you usually start them at the end of the, the move, right? And then you bring them back into it. That's the eccentric. So like you take them, you know, halfway through the stride. So you're just like, or, or if you're on it, you, I could just put you in the splits, right? And I put you in the splits and I say, okay, now we're going to stand up, you know, and don't let me do it. And you're going to have to pick up that left foot. You're going to pick up your front foot. And as soon as you do, 
just just that far off the ground and you have to stabilize you have to know where balance is you have mm. to create direction so yeah. the vector portion of it is what makes it a completely and, and you can change it right you can say ah oh, i don't like the i don't like where this is pulling me from i'm gonna lower it i'm gonna hire it you can immediately affect it you could even change your foot position to do the same exact thing so you know what i mean like but that's where it becomes so unbelievably um, complex so fast that that's where it's like, it's hard to talk about this to our community. Be like, hey, go buy this because this is like the trainers learning how to use it. The, the people like us trying to figure out what it is. So that's kind of the yeah. stage of where it's at. Um, yeah. But I know your guys have it. So I'm saying like, get your hands on it as soon as you can. Um, because it's- It's gnarly, by the way. It's a 90 second- like well, what he did to me was atrocious. oh my god like the the the, 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 end, the end range feeling once you get off is crazy like you, huh, you just okay. you feel super heavy you don't want to walk like you just want to like you just literally don't want to do anything but sit down because you, you're Sounds redlining great. your system yeah, yeah right yeah. for for 90 seconds and it is terrible it's terrible but it's also like way more effective and efficient than like w the stuff personally for me that I'm doing. Cause like I'm in this weird 34 year old stage where I'm just like not interested in working out anymore. Cause it's just like, I'm like, <sighs> you know, but also I've got a lot of this stuff, <laughs> I, but I would, I would rather compete to get my exercise. Yeah. That's the way I always look at it. Right. Whatever yeah. it is. If, I, if I'm going to get my exercise, I'm going to throw a hundred pitches as hard as I can. That's going to be more fun for me than going and hopping on, on doing a hundred squats. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. that, that idea of what Cass has done and the way we've done it with like a simple row or even a split lunge is just like, it's terrible, but also like really gratifying for the suffer, suffering at the exact same time. So you do Suffering. a row in the bottom of a lunge. So the focus is the row, but when you're in the bottom of a lunge, one inch off the ground, the whole entire system has to figure out what, what's, who's going to work right now. Right. Yeah. Like what how, how am I going to, how am I going to execute this move while being in this position? hundred percent. Yep. Yep. And so it gets real, real intense, real fast. And, and so you get to, John talks about that 90 seconds. And I mean, I felt it. I will just like stop pulling. I'm like, and they'll be like, yeah, keep pulling. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I have, I, I thought I was, I was sitting here and it was so hard that my body just like shut down and was like, no, sorry. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's so crazy. And then, you know, thinking about, we, we touched a little bit on the generational piece. What a better tool than to say, listen, bro, you got to strengthen condition and you don't want to, cause that's not part of your lifestyle. Right. Um, yeah. you know, you point Loma, you point Loma boy, <laughs> point Loma is a tough place to live. That's the, that's the point. Definitely. And, um, yeah. and we can, and we can kick their butt in, in five minutes. Like they want to puke kind of kick, pick their, kick their wow. butt and then like get to a point where, okay, that we're not just doing this for the awe effect. You know what I mean? I'm not just trying to put you through hell. Let's actually build up on this and, and do something serious. But I don't know, man, I'm, I'm so excited about it because it's, it's like a gateway tool for every sport. So. Yeah. It sounds awesome. Jeez. I really need to get my hands on it. <laughs> I feel so, I'm not even selling. I'm just excited about the things that it's, it can do. I'm, I'm excited about how much it's going to impact our kids. Um, yeah. We talk about so much the forward move. 
um, how people just don't know how to initiate momentum down the mound. You already alluded to it. And, you know, I just want our kids to learn how to do less. So that, I mean, I think the, that, that's the best way to put it. That's the best way to put it. Find the flow. Let it happen. All right, dude. All right, Rob. Well, well, I feel like we got to let you go here. I was going to say, it's been an hour and a half, at least, not counting the Probably other one too. that we had like yeah. seven, seven to eight <laughs> minutes on the other we one. We've so. done two podcasts today. Yeah. Don't want <laughs> to eat up too much more of your time. But um, last last thing I got for you is, you know, the direction of, of baseball and, and where you're seeing things going. You always have a good insight and a good pulse to the industry and, and what you're seeing. Um, do you have, you know, and now you're super close, right? Like what, what, what do you kind of see things that are going, how, how are things are going and where, where are they going? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, as teams who are, are progressive uh, with, with data and technology and integrating those things with player development, as they continue to, to progress and do better, other teams will start to take notice. Um, Cause there's, you know, there, there's half the league that is, that's never even used a Rapsodos still, you know, like there's, there's places and, and, and teams and, and, players who don't even have access to their data still. So it's, it's something that uh, I think that more more and more people and players will get access to the information. And then like, it'll really be instead of like, oh, the cream will rise to the top. It's like, okay, the cream with the good information who actually developed, those guys will go. And then that will just push the game further and further. I think we'll see velocity continue to climb up most definitely. I think we'll see just like basically any measurable thing uh, that, is successfully getting people out or scoring runs continue to progress forward. But I do have uh, questions about like, when will things change a little bit? Like uh, not, not in the direction that I think it's going to go. Like if, you know, someone will start throwing, people will start figuring out like another place to, to throw a certain pitch or bring the, the revitalization of some sort of pitch or things like that are starting to kind of come to my head a little bit too. But um, I think more so than anything though, uh, data technology will continue to grow, but also will the ability for people like myself and like some of my coworkers, our ability to get into the game, even though we never played professionally, like uh, we'll just get higher and higher uh, because more people will have, want, want the information. And, but the ability to coach will also become way more important too, because it's like, I don't care. Like I've said this to you guys before, but it's like, you can have all the data and all the information and all the measurable things in the world. But if you don't have someone there to like implement it, monitor it, and coach and be a guy with another guy helping a player helping a person none of that stuff matters so i think uh i really like the the, the direction the game is going in and i'm excited to see what happens that gives me hope what did one of the best in the industry we appreciate you coming on um tell us your instagram and twitter because i'm not going to say it right and sounds good uh, my Instagram is uh, at Robopotamus, R-O-B-A-P-O-T-A-M-U-S. Uh, and then my Twitter is at Berticus Hill, B-E-R-T-I-C-U-S Hill. Uh, find me on there if you want. If you don't, that's fine too. Uh, I'm so we'll happy you didn't sell out and change it like when you signed with the no Dodgers. Shot. I thought about it. I did think about it. I was like, oh, they're going to think I'm wacky. And it's like, wait, I am wacky. I don't care if they think that. Yeah, 100%. Like, don't say yeah, yeah. You sign with the Dodgers. They want Rob Hill. They don't want Rob Hill. They want Rob. That's, that's, they want Rob. That's, that's the great thing about them, too, man. I can't, I can't speak highly enough about my experience there, all, all the people there. It's, it's really the people that make the difference. And I think that we, we get good people and we can continue to educate them and, and 
lean into their abilities as people first and foremost, and then see what happens from there. Totally. Yeah, man. That clubhouse. Well, you've been the best. Good looking clubhouse. Keep going. Go ahead, Don. Sorry. (laughs) It's okay. You've been the best. It's all good. Um, Guys, go follow Rob. And if you have a question, I'm sure you can DM him. He's the best. He's been nothing but a gracious host as we met a few Aprils ago. Um, you know, and up in driveline, which yeah. is crazy. I still remember watching you rip uh, two pound balls and I'm being like, yeah, that's a, uh, that's, that's a thing, you know? So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Froze. oh, dang. I can hear him talking over oh. there too. So you can oh, hear not me. only can the hear game, me. but your oh, thought John, process you're also. Oh, there we go. We're good. Yeah. Oh, it just, it just, uh, it just glitched out for a second. I was just saying, it's been a pleasure to watch, you know, you introduce some things um, like Stefan and, you know, other people into the industry and, and, and give your insight of it. Cause I think that, you know, a lot of people try to be careful um, which they should be, you know, in certain situations, but also like, you know, being understanding of people's opinions and takes on stuff is, is rather important. And I think that you do a great job of like, whoever it is, you know, whether it's us or whoever, just like letting that our side of the argument happen just for the, you know, to be able to keep processing. So thank you for that, man. I, you know, yeah. every time you're on something, I'm, I'm seeming to find it and listen to it. Cause it's like, thank you. Wow. Okay. You know, thank you. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. I, I appreciate that as well with you guys is like, like, like I said earlier, just trying to have conversations and in a world that is so polarizing, whether it be about politics or coronavirus or whatever, even in baseball, it's, it's nice to just like talk about this stuff. Cause we all love it at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's great. So I appreciate you guys. Definitely. Appreciate it. Signing off here. All right, here we go. Thanks again, guys.